Hey, really good friends. This episode contains content that may be alarming to some listeners. Please check the show notes for more detailed descriptions and take care of yourself. Hello. Hello. And welcome. To Historically Really Good Friends. A queer history podcast. I'm Rachel Craig. And I'm Jared Femblow. Welcome. Welcome Hello. back. Howdy. Good to see you. Howdy. Howdy, folks. Did you miss us? I know you did. I didn't have to ask that question. For those few weeks that we were silent. I know. And I'm sure you had nothing to do over the holidays. Mm -hmm. So you missed hearing our voices, definitely. Unless you spent the holiday break catching up on all of the episodes that you've missed, then Mm. good job. Yeah, in which case, thank you. And you're the true hero. Right. And that was the right way to spend the holiday. But also, um, you are <laughs> mm-hmm. a hero, but also, why didn't you listen in the first place? Yeah, what's more important than listening to us bicker exactly. and talk about the past? Hmm? Exactly. Yeah, tell me. You, I gotta know. Can you show me? I want to know about the people like me. Is that a song? Tarzan? I've never seen that. You've never seen Tarzan? There's a lot of things I haven't seen. And you know what? I'm really sick of being criticized for it. So I don't want to have this conversation. You know what? Okay, you're right. I'm so sorry. It's the beginning of the year. We don't need to start off on the wrong foot. It's our first episode back. Let's take it easy. Let's Thank you. Let's have a nice gentle transition back into the podcast, back into the year. 2023. I appreciate that. Here we are. 2023. Here we are for you listening. Let's yeah. let's drop the veil real quick. Look at the man let's behind be the curtain. We're mm-hmm. you're hearing us from the past. I'm well. That's how all podcasts, we're time traveling to you, <laughs> right? That's how all podcast episodes work. Is we record it and then you hear us, and what you're hearing is us in the past. However, we're still in December at this point. We are recording this episode we are. quite early so that we can give ourselves a break for the holidays. But yes. we're going to pretend that we're going to oh. pretend that this is live, I guess. Okay. But but as this airs, I will be in another country. Mm-hmm. And so what will you be up to, Jared, in January, on January 11th? You know what? So much is happening in this world at such a rapid pace. I don't know <laughs> what's going to happen 45 minutes from now. I have no idea. Okay. I'm not going to set expectations. Life is just coming at you from all angles. Uh, always. Constantly. Isn't that the truth? <laughs> Ain't that the truth? Speaking about expectations, what are your expectations for the new year? Are you setting any resolutions? I know we've talked about it. It's mm-hmm. trivial, doesn't really mean anything, but... Correct. I am. I have a resolution to try to stop gossiping so much. What's the fun in that? Well, here's the thing. Yeah, so it's sort of like a lifestyle thing, right? Mm-hmm. But the trouble is other people gossip. And when other people gossip, what am I to do but join in? Do you know what I mean? So maybe my resolution should be to not initiate gossip, but right. I do like hearing it still. Right, it's like what you're gonna. Someone's gonna gossip, and you're gonna tell them to stop. You're gonna say, gonna "No, don't like, do that." Right, that's rude. No, because that's rude on my part. I have right. to let other people live their lives. Right, and let them speak. I mean, don't silence other people. Truly, and so that's censorship, and mm-hmm. I don't want to take part in that kind of fascism. Right. So we don't, we don't approve of that. <laughs> no, we do not. So I think my resolution will be amended to 
not initiate gossip, which I don't know that I did too much anyway. Okay. I don't no, know. You were Can spreading you rumors me? left and right. You are no. the gossip queen. <laughs> Everybody, you're hearing it first. Gossip girl. <laughs> Rachel no, Craig was I, the gossip girl. Before we get into your New Year's expectations or resolutions, can you help me do some soul searching slash self-awareness? Was Ooh. I really, did I gossip quite often? We've been friends now, 2023, for 10 years. Mm-hmm. Over. Do I initiate gossip? often yeah be honest yeah okay yeah (laughs) don't be honest (laughs) okay then no no not really (laughs) okay 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 that's fair see thank you you and i love a little we love a little tidbit Mm, we love a little a little juicy something you know it's like a morsel a morsel a a pack give me a pack you know Mm -hmm. just a little Mm -hmm. something and that's enough to fulfill us for a few minutes till the next morsel until, (laughs) until we need a little bit more in between reality TV mm-hmm. gossip, mm-hmm. we will do real people in our lives gossip, and mm-hmm. that will sustain us forever. Mm-hmm. So yeah, because you know what? What? If there's anything that never runs out, if there's if there's always an abundance of something, it's gossip. People are always doing things. People are always changing. They're always saying shit. There's always things to talk about. It's, it's, it's true. Like life always going life to comes be there. at you fast. Life as comes we at you were fast, saying. and it's the gift that keeps on giving. It truly is gossip i think it should be instead of opinions are like assholes everybody has them it's Mm -hmm. the same as gossip gossip are like assholes everybody has them Mm -hmm. you know everybody doesn't not gossip is like poop opinions well opinions are like assholes everybody has them gossip is like poop everybody does it assholes and opinions are hand in hand go hand there you go yeah yeah, it's the human centipede. It's the pipeline oh. of asshole to opinion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if you and I were, we would be, we would be a part of that. If we that was the be. equation. Yeah, so I would like to break that cycle somehow. Um, right. But we'll see. We'll see how it goes. How about you? Expectations that you're placing for yourself? You know what? I won't go as far as saying this is going to be my year of yes. I'm not going to Shonda Rhimes a year of yes 2023. Ooh, okay. However, I, have I, would that like, book. I, I would like to do more. I would like to not not take on like more projects or take on more, which I'm bound to do. But I would just like to like say yes to more things. I would like to experience mm. more and do just live a little bit more. Yeah, I think that that's a, maybe I'll steal that as an expectation for myself, because in this past year, and maybe it was like, post COVID fatigue, and like Mm -hmm. going back to in person work and school and things. But I was like, wow, I go to sleep at 9pm. And like, when people invite me out to do things, I'm like, no, work tomorrow is more important. Or like, I have this pain. Like, I I think I want to be more of like a uh, yeah, like you said, maybe a yeah. yes person. Maybe a life is short. We bring back YOLO, you know? Okay. Uh, yeah. It's a YOLO year. It's a YOLO year, everyone. <laughs> this is my year of YOLO. It's <laughs> so, a YOLO year. Yeah, so. Yeah. Yeah, I would just like to say yes, maybe like once every three times, you know? Once, okay. you know, say no two times, say yes once. Whereas right now right. I'm saying no every time. Right. So you're just looking to bring those yes stocks up. Yeah, a little bit. Not a full bit. 100%, but just bring them up a little. Yeah, 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 yeah. We want to see sort of a linear. Yeah, I don't know how stocks work. I sorry. don't either. I'm I sorry like I brought really it up. We don't know how to... that works. No, I want to see on the board 
you know, I want to see YOLO year in green with an up arrow and some number. Right. I want to see a little bit of Exactly. I want people to be excited about the year of YOLO. Me too. Let's, so let's, again, we're recording this in December, but when you hear it in January, I hope you join us in making this the year of, the year of YOLO. And also if anything big happens between now when we're Mm -hmm. recording this in December and January and we don't talk about it. You, you you are not allowed to hold us accountable. We don't take right. any responsibility. Correct. You're never allowed to hold us accountable. Nope. That's a that is now um, a tacit agreement we've all made. By listening um, to this, you have signed an agreement to exactly, never hold us accountable exactly. or be mean to us. Uh, correct. Yeah. The biggest news that happened this week, I think the U.S. was like kicked out of the World Cup or whatever happened. They lost. Oh wow! You not really want to place this episode right here I, that's now. what i mean i'm okay. telling you what happened so so you really can't i'm trying to gain the listener's trust if you mm. will you really can't blame us we're not lying to you um no one said we're lying it was it was it was a rainy saturday yesterday here in new jersey mm-hmm. and the and the u.s team lost so you could do some math and figure out what day it is if you really want to if you really want to but oh you why? Why Oy. would you? Oy, why would you? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, maybe don't do that, but you could if you wanted to. All right. Well, listen, the year of YOLO is upon us. We are getting ripe and ready for it. What do you got for us? Today, I'm talking about what I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, might be our first drag queen? No. Uh, Who else did we talk about? Perfect. Oh, right, Barbette. Sorry, Barbette was a few years earlier than I feel like drag was, like, a title. Mm, I disagree, but okay. Okay, okay, well, so I'm wrong. <laughs> okay. So I am wrong. Again, can't hold us accountable. Nope. Um, <laughs> not allowed. But I am talking about Divine, the most beautiful woman in the world, almost. Is that a, was that a self-appointed <laughs> that- name? Yes, that is okay. her official tagline. So it's divine underneath subtitle, mm-hmm. the most beautiful woman in the world. Almost. almost. Iconic. Yes. Iconic. Almost. Oh my God. Jared, do you know anything about divine? I know what she looks like. I can picture okay. her in my head. I know some okay. of the films she was involved in. I know mm-hmm. very minimal, but if anything, she, like her image is so strongly ingrained in my subconscious for some reason yeah we'll get into that but so before i describe it in our story i want you to try to describe it for me oh her image if you you could yeah her image go for it okay so the way that i picture divine is really bold eyeshadow but really sharp really sharp features Mm -hmm. um eyebrows maybe oh eyebrows are Okay, okay. Okay. Eyebrows are happening somewhere. I feel like blues, greens, and reds for some reason are Mm -hmm. in her color palette. I always picture her kind of like like hourglass body figure with like a fishtail dress or like a mermaid dress or whatever those are called. Like I'm picturing the red dress from Pink Flamingos. And I think that's where I'm also getting the rest of her iconography is Pink Flamingos. That's where I feel like I most easily can place her right and that happens to be one of her most famous roles that's probably why that makes sense that makes sense all checks out great 
Okay, so thanks for letting our listeners have a little sneak peek about what Divine looks like, because it's true. She is very iconic mm-hmm. in her look. And I don't know that drag stars now, drag performers necessarily try to recreate it, but I think it's a big inspiration mm-hmm. for like present day drag. I know it was on an episode of RuPaul's Drag Race and you'll hear, you might hear people talk about it on Drag mm-hmm. Race or in other drag performances, things like that. So yeah, we're going to be talking about Divine. I'm very mm-hmm. excited. Me too. So the sources that I use for this week's episode include the Queer Portraits and History page dedicated to Divine. Divine was America's first drag superstar by John Hernandez for Queer 40. Drag Herstory, the wildlife and untimely death of Divine, drag queen of the century by Alyssa Goodman for them. And finally, our tried and true friend, Divine's Wikipedia page. Of course. Donate to Wikipedia. You gotta. Yeah, you have to. Thank you, Wikipedia. I will Mm -hmm. never donate money to you, but um, I would die without you. We'll we'll find a way to. (laughs) So Harry Glenn Milstead was born to an upper middle class family in Baltimore on October 19th, 1945. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that all of the articles touched on was pretty severe bullying that Harry Glenn, or as he's better known to his family, just Glenn, experienced throughout his adolescence for being overweight and being particularly effeminate. But this is an interesting part of his identity that would later be integral to his caricature and fame. So I like wanted to touch on that. But at one point, he was escorted by police, like was driven to school in a police car because, because the physical bullying bad. was so severe. Yeah. That's wild because being fat and feminine are two characteristics that are very heavily looked down upon within the queer community. That's mm-hmm. usually, you know, mm-hmm. no fast, no femmes. So it's like mm-hmm. having those two qualities about you, especially as a child, cannot be an easy thing, especially at this time period. So it's like I can only imagine that it was that severe that he had to be driven by or escorted by police to school because it was that bad. Yeah, I find it interesting too. I didn't really go into unpacking this too much, but like feel like the Baltimore police maybe had other things to do during the 1950s. But like, but like, I find it interesting too the way that we've talked about the relationship between queer people and not necessarily fat people, but queer people and the police during Mm -hmm. these times, and that that actually played kind of a role in his early life we don't hear that much more about it um later on in his life but that was kind of his upbringing Mm -hmm. so in high school and beyond it is reported that he would throw parties at his parents house and dress in drag for some of the first times there and it was the one anecdote that i read was that he would like pay for all of these things like these huge parties on his like parents credit cards and then rip up the receipts before they could see them and so but they never got paid off so it was like one day the like credit report came and his parents just had like all this debt and they were like what happened now i don't know that that's true that was only in one of the articles that i read but it was like yeah he was throwing these crazy parties and i believe it and and then just like charging them yeah yeah i believe it so we love that yeah, That's absolutely. Fun. It's like a kid in college that has access to their parents' cards, credit cards, right. cough, cough, me. 
and just like going <laughs> right, to the same. bars and being like, thanks, dad, for buying me a drink. Thanks, dad. Yeah. And dad, if you're listening, thank you. Thank yeah, you. absolutely. <laughs> so, like, so that's somebody else's problem for another time. Right. Not me. <laughs> so he eventually, after high school, after these parties and his experiences sort of dressing in drag during these times is kind mm. of like a performance. He eventually went to beauty school in 1963, where he learned makeup artistry. During this time, he also met the soon-to-be famous director, John Waters, who mm. coincidentally grew up right down the street from Glenn. So, oh, funny. Yeah, so they grew up very close to one another, but they weren't friends at the mm-hmm. time. But John Waters was recently expelled from college for smoking weed, so he was back home. Wow. <laughs> he was back home. They met. They bonded instantly over these ideas of grandeur for a new kind of counterculture movement. Like, they always talked about, like, wanting to be not the opposite of hippies but they talk about wanting to scare hippies (laughs) and this was something that the two would soon achieve so waters recognized glenn's star power and makeup artistry and worked with him to create the drag persona of divine again tagline the most beautiful woman in the world almost so was so it was intentional from the beginning to kind of have this character that was like oh i'm a gorgeous woman the most beautiful woman in the world kind of yes that was always the intention so that's sort of john waters directing style too Mm -hmm. like they talk about wanting to be trashy and dirty and gross like Mm -hmm. that's kind of what they wanted to be that was what yes (laughs) and that's what they wanted their like counterculture movement this sort of like cult classic right just trash but then at the same of, time labeling it pretending that she thinks right. she's the most beautiful woman in the world right exactly like this beauty just sort of wrapped mm-hmm. in this worst package this and it's very intentional yeah, yeah. It, absolutely absolutely yeah. So Divine was described as having, quote, a shocking look and persona, which I feel like is an understatement, (laughs) and was known for the unique style, makeup, and stunts he would pull. So for those of you unfamiliar, again, Divine and Glenn is a fat man who would don mini skirts, form-fitting dresses, just as Jared said, like that mermaid-style dress, big, big white teased wigs Mm -hmm. thin crudely drawn eyebrows so they were thin and they would go i'm doing it on my face as if people can see it they would peak almost like a triangle so high up on the forehead like if you think it's got to be like an inch from your hairline like yeah so high on i remember like lunch ladies i remember lunch ladies in like first and second grade that would have those really thinly drawn on eyebrows and always being like what is that and that was just like the yes. style i don't know if it was tattooed on but like just think about that mm-hmm. lunch lady that everybody knows that has the thinnest eyebrows thin early 2000s eyebrows yes. that's what it is so thin thin early 2000s eyebrows but like a triangle so they would peak yeah. super high and then drop sharply mm-hmm. and it, again this was intentional and then similarly drawn on lips so like you could tell the lips were drawn on like lip liner would make like your cupid's bow and it the lip liner would not match the color of the lipstick everything was brightly colored mm-hmm. oftentimes divine would have like a marilyn monroe like birthmark drawn on the lip or the cheek area so it was like very specific look And the character of Divine would become a huge part of Glenn's life, with Wikipedia noting that, quote, as an adult, he used the stage name Divine, 
as his personal name, telling one interviewer that both Divine and Glenn Milstead were both just names. Glenn is the name I was brought up with. Divine is the name I've been using for the past 23 years. I guess it's always Glenn and it's always Divine. Do you mean the character divine or the person divine? You see, it gets very complicated. There's the divine you're talking to now, and there's the character divine, which is just something I do to make a living. She doesn't really exist at all, unquote. Mm -hmm. So this kind of goes to, I use Glenn and divine interchangeably, but like divine became a really integral part of Glenn's adult life. It really, Mm -hmm. it was more than just a character. It's sort of just as any actor probably will tell you, it bleeds into your life, right? Mm -hmm. Like pretty committed to method acting almost, I guess is sort of like a way to think about it. And also having divine be this larger than life character, these, all of these things that Glenn is being bullied for as a child but having Mm -hmm. Divine be this person that represents all of these different parts of him it's like almost a reclamation of yourself it's like being reborn Mm -hmm. like a phoenix from the ashes like you are born anew and so it's not it's like you don't just separate from the character at that point it's like you have this newfound confidence you have this acceptance you have all of these Mm -hmm. things that make it easier to be both of them instead of just one instead of the other yeah and you've been given the opportunity to reclaim all of those Mm -hmm. things in a way that's going to make you famous and powerful and like that people want to look at those things in you that before they didn't right before they wanted to hide or make fun of exactly so this character was first features in waters roman candles which premiered in 1966 with divine as a smoking nun so again like this sort of trashy style like Mm -hmm. ironic that's why the most beautiful woman in the world almost i think ironic is a good way to describe like the whole intention behind it so both waters and divine were prepared to be seen as these sort of trashy icons and this willingness helped gain them a cult following because they really committed to it so Waters's film starring divine made them both underground superstars but glenn wanted to break out even more Loving Divine, but also wanting to be seen as a serious male actor. So, like, mm-hmm. not wanting to always have to act in drag. Mm-hmm. This was challenging when most of his career was overshadowed by Divine and her stunts, which include notably eating dog poop for a yep. scene in Waters' film, Pink Flamingos. Yep. Yep. So, yep. yeah, again, really committed method acting. It's just, like, rotten, disgusting acts. Right. And it's a stunt that gets people talking, Mm -hmm. either good or like no press is bad press. People were talking about it. Pink Flamingos really launched Divine and Waters careers. Yeah. This scene was also recreated in season seven of RuPaul's Drag Race, along with other popular Divine moments. And RuPaul has even called Divine America's first drag superstar. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of respect in the drag community for Divine and John Waters. Yeah. One thing I want to take time to note here is about gender identity and drag queens. So for those listeners who might, this is your first experience with queer history, I want to talk about this because there's some common misconceptions, right? So some drag queens may be trans women, but many drag queens are simply performing gender roles and stereotypes as women and do not identify as women outside of their drag roles. So being in drag and being trans are not the same thing, though for some folks, they may have overlapping identities as trans people and drag performers. 
Drag is an over-exaggeration and commentary on gender. It is not a gender identity. It's this performance. So John Waters has said of Divine that, quote, people think Divine, and they always think wrong, was trans. Divine never dressed as a woman except when he was working. He had no desire to be a woman. He didn't want to pass as a woman. He wanted to pass as a monster. He was thought up to scare hippies, and that's what he wanted to do. He wanted to be Godzilla. Well, he wanted to be Elizabeth Taylor and Godzilla put together, unquote. So Divine was a cisgender gay man who played a bizarrely eccentric caricature of a woman. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to just touch on that because like performance and identity are different. And again, they can overlap. Mm-hmm. But I just wanted to put that out there that like we're talking about different things. Mm-hmm. So... After Divine starred in Pink Flamingos, whether it was his commitment to method acting or the fact that Divine was just a pure and simple star and got everyone talking, Glenn as Divine began acting worldwide, beginning with the performance group The Coquettes in San Francisco. Does that name sound familiar to you? It does. It was, hold on, let me think. Okay. It was Sylvester? Yes! Very nice. It was Sylvester. So... Our previous subject, Sylvester, also got his start performing with the Coquettes in San Francisco. So they performed together. And similarly to Sylvester, Divine also had a brief disco career after that. She was asked to perform everywhere from Studio 54 to venues across Europe. Although, again, Glenn wanted to focus more on his acting career. And even if that meant acting in drag, wasn't as concerned with, like, the disco side of the performance. Okay. So Divine was popular, but still underground, until his performance as Edna Turnblad in Hairspray in 1988. Mm -hmm. Um, Which, Hairspray, by the way, Mm. is one of my favorite movies. Mm. Like, if I had to say top five, Hairspray's up there. Wow. Yeah, it's a great movie. That's really high. (laughs) It's, it's, It's a great movie. So this propelled him to household fame. Unfortunately, though, he died just three weeks after the movie's release from heart failure. Edna was his final role. Though his legacy lived on in the drag world and beyond, with characters like Ursula from The Little Mermaid being inspired by his look. So again, if you haven't seen pictures of Divine, but you can picture Ursula from The Little Mermaid, there's a lot of similarities. He was also crowned Drag Queen of the Century by People Magazine, and he has a permanent collection at the Museum of Modern Art for his work in Pink Flamingos. Divine is quoted in the film Mondo Trasho saying, quote, I only ask you for what is rightfully mine, what the good Lord has bestowed on me, being divine, unquote. Divine taught generations of people, not just future drag superstars, about embracing your inner beauty and running with the ugly outer beauty. <laughs> Glenn embraced the things that once ostracized him and made everyone fall in love with him in the process. And that is a brief history of the drag superstar, Divine. Wow. Yeah, I didn't know any of that about Divine. I just knew the look, you know? And it's, Mm -hmm. um, I think, so difficult to be someone that is so recognizable and be so iconic and then also Mm -hmm. be struggling with the fact that you want to be your own person. And while Divine might have helped Glenn become confident and popular in a household name, it's like, there was still part of him that wanted to mm-hmm. be his own person. And, or like we were saying, they weren't separated, but he wanted to be known for Glenn too. You don't want to just be known as this trash monster, you know, the right. not really pretty, pretty girl. I think a lot of 
drag queens want recognition for their work but at the same time it's difficult to then want this other thing and not really be able to have it because you're so integrated with this other side of yourself so it's a blessing and a curse kind of almost all at once yeah absolutely because you are known as being so different like even if you look at pictures of glenn and then look at pictures of divine they're so different and Mm -hmm. it's because you do create this character and it is partly I'm sure influenced by who you are as a person. Yeah. Um, just like who you are as a person is probably influenced by the character that you create, but they're still right. separate. Right. And I feel like other drag queens I've heard talk about the same thing that like sometimes it's hard to separate those things and you want to like you have almost two lives that you're living right. and that, like you said, can be a blessing and and a curse where you have the opportunity to have two separate identities and you are very famous potentially for one of them, um, but not for who you are as a person. And that can be hard. Right. Because then you're going to get pigeonholed. You're going to get typecast, Mm -hmm. like whatever work you do. Like we were saying divine had a brief disco career, but wanting to act and only really acting as divine. It was like, it's like you may want more for your, the mm-hmm. other side of yourself out of drag. You may want to like launch your career, but in a time when right. there's not, you know, like YouTube and TikTok and Twitter and making right. merch and all of these things, it's hard to branch out when they're kind of like, oh, you're a one trick pony. This is what you, we want you to do. And that's what you're going to be. Right. And I think it's important to understand that that's something that happens kind of exclusively to the queer community and to drag queens specifically, right? Because plenty of quote unquote serious actors or straight actors have done drag in movies. Like if you think of um, like Nanny McPhee, things like that, like, yeah, exactly. So many different movies include straight actors doing drag. But they then don't get pigeonholed, like you were saying, into exclusively doing drag characters. But drag queens are almost seen as their identity as a drag queen Mm -hmm. and not able to bring that same acting prowess just like to who they are as a person. Absolutely. So yeah, just something to consider when Mm -hmm. we think about how drag now is represented in movies and TV shows. But a lot of that is thanks to divine sort of breakthrough roles. And I think we're all, if you haven't, I haven't seen many John Waters films besides Hairspray, so right. I might have to watch. watch some now. Yeah. Maybe that's my New Year's expectation, to watch some John Waters films. And be a little bit more divine. That's it. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for your story. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in to episode 44 of Historically Really Good Friends, where we talked about divine. This is your weekly reminder that acknowledging the queerness of our history makes eating dog poop for a movie a little bit more fun. Please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen. And to see photos from this week's episode, make sure to check out our Instagram at Historically Really. And we hope to see you again next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.